draw to you a passage of scripture, and um, it's going to be found in First Samuel chapter ten. But before we get there, let me go back if I can, and we find that in verse First Samuel verses uh, chapter nine and First Samuel chapter ten, and both of those chapters, we find the uh, the anointing or the 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 the, uh, the emergence of a man by the name of Saul. Most of us that have been around uh, at all have heard that name. In fact, this morning we read a little bit about Saul. We talked for just a moment about Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. We get there by a series of events that Israel had been ruled by what was called judges. If you study scripture at all, you'll know that that, that uh, there's a book of judges and it talks about the many judges of Israel that ruled Israel. But Israel began to look around and there's a lot of reasons for this and not to get into all of it now, but just to, 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 to summarize, the people of Israel wanted to have a king. They, they wanted a king. They wanted to be in some ways like others that had a king and so they desired to have a king. And at the time, the prophet Samuel, who was the prominent voice in Israel, he had two sons, but his sons were very corrupt men. And so there was a need for there to be a king. And at that, sort of at that moment, we find this emergence of this character on the scene by the name of Saul. And we find that as we are introduced to him, we are introduced to him in a situation where he is sent out to locate his father's lost animals. And he is gone with a servant, and they are seeking to find these animals. And eventually they get to the point where they're very frustrated because they cannot find these animals. And they're about to give up the search, and they're about to quit and go home in failure. And the servant says to Saul, let's stop by this city because there is a man there. And uh, in, in the servant called him a seer. There's a man there that is a seer. If we go see him, see the seer, if we see him, he will be able to tell us where these donkeys are. And so the story unfolds and we find ourselves where Samuel is introduced to Saul and God begins to speak to Samuel. And then this is where I want to pick it up. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 3, Samuel begins to give Saul instructions on what's going to take place in Saul's life that's going to take Saul from where he is to becoming the king of Israel. And Samuel says this, Then shall thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come into the plain of Tabor, and thou shalt meet with three men going up to, God, to, up, going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, that's not children, that would be goats, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and the other carrying a bottle of wine, and they, and they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, and thou shalt receive of their hands. And thou and that thou shalt come to the hill of God where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it will shall come to pass when thou art come thither to the city that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp and before them, and thou shalt prophesy. And in verse 7, this is the phrase I want you to see. Verse 7. And let it be when these signs shall come... We're on the, we're, am, I, am I on a different one? And thou shalt, and the Spirit of the Lord, is this verse 6? Maybe this is verse 6. Go back to verse 6. I skipped. Hey, there we go. I went ahead one. 
And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them. And then that's the phrase I want you to see. And thou shalt be turned into another man. You shall be turned into another man. I want to just for a few moments today talk to you on this subject, transformed by the fire. Transformed by the fire. I believe that in my life and in your life, in our walk with God, there are transformational moments. There are moments when I step into the presence of God one way, but when I get out, I am completely changed and different. That what I used to say, what I used to think, how I used to be, is no longer the case. In fact, many of you can trace back one transformational moment to when you went into that water for the very first time and someone called on the name of Jesus and put you in that water. And when you came out of that water, you had a transformational moment. The person you were when you went in that water wasn't the same person you were when you came out of that water. It was a transformational moment. And so Saul, on his journey to becoming a king, Samuel told him, go and do these things. But during this process, you are going to have a transformational moment. I believe in a transformational moment, there are three things that happen. There are three things that take place. Sometimes they're not in a certain order. Sometimes there may be one more prominent than others. But I believe in a transformational moment, there are three things that take place or can take place in a transformational moment. The first one is purification. The second one is illumination. And the third one is activation. When I am transformed, these three things, usually one, maybe two, and sometimes all three, take place in a transformational moment. When I am transformed, there is a purification process that takes place in me. There are things that are taken out of me. There are things that are purified in me. Because the Bible says, no flesh can glory in his presence. In order for me to get closer to him, something's got to die. I will tell you this, you will never get closer to God without sacrificing and something in your life dying. I love you, and I'm going to tell you the truth. If you think you can hold on to all the things of your flesh and get closer to God, it doesn't happen. Because the closer I get to God, the more things in me have got to die. It's not about a rule book today. It's not about following a set of rules and me to tell you, here's what you do and here's what you shouldn't do. It's about you seeking God in your own life and saying, God, what are the things in me? Because you know what? The closer I get to God, the more he begins to show things in me that I need to let go of. I need to, I need to get rid of. There's some things in me that can't, can't stay to get in his presence. It's not about what I need to do or tell me, preacher. You think, you know, the, the, one of the loaded questions. Is this wrong? Because basically what you want to do is you want me to tell you what rule there is. To, is this wrong? 
It's, it's, it's not in the Bible, but is this wrong? I don't know. Is it? Because i got to be honest with you. If I tell you it's wrong, but you don't believe it's wrong, what are you accomplishing? You're just following the rule. You know, when you stand before the Lord in judgment and he says to you, uh, I'm going to give you all the beauty. You're going to enter in to all the riches I have for you into eternal life. But I need to know one thing. Let's look at your score sheet. Boy, January 7th, 2018, you got all the boxes checked. Good job. 2018, not such a good day. Unfortunately or sadly, most of us live our life that way. As long as we can check off more good boxes than bad boxes, we seem okay. But I got to be honest with you. There are some days I check off more bad boxes and I'm more spiritual than the days I check off the good boxes. Because you know what happens? When you check off good boxes, you kind of get this attitude, look how good I'm doing. But the bad boxes half the time drive me to my knees and say, God, whatever you've got to do, help me. And I find that the closer I get to him, the more things he begins to take out of me so I can get closer to him. So the first thing I find in transformation is purification. The second thing is illumination. But let's use a more biblical term, revelation. Revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is to reveal to me what was hidden. The Bible is a book of revelation. Not just the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible, but the entire book is a book of Revelation. You've heard this and you've experienced it, but let me remind you again, that's why you can read a scripture 150 times, but on number 151, all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, I didn't see that before. I never knew that was there before. How did I miss that before? That's Revelation. And you can be, and I can be, transformed by revelation. When God reveals things to me, it can change me. Because what is the one thing, we talked about it now, what is one of the key elements in Scripture, or according to Scripture, to transformation? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform literally is metamorphosis or an absolute change in makeup. That to be transformed means you become something different. But how do I become something different? I become transformed. How many of you, seriously, let's ask this question. It should be a fairly obvious answer, but let's ask it. How many of you want to become something different than you are right now? I do. You may love the current version of you, but version 2.0 is better. So even if you're the best you can, there's always improvement. I mean, we're on iPhone X now. There's going to be an iPhone 11 that's going to tell you the iPhone X is trash. Get an 11 because they're always improving something. I always want to change. So if I want to change, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. But that word renewing doesn't exactly mean what we think it means. That word renewing literally means to remodel. To remodel 
the way you think. Be ye transformed by remodeling the way you think. You cannot change the way you are until you change the way you think. If you don't hear anything I said today, that's it. Write that down. Tweet it, post it, whatever you got to do to remember it. You cannot change the way you are until you first change the way you think. You know why? I can prove it to you. How many times have you determined to change the way you are but find yourself back in the same pattern? But when you trace it back, you try to change who you are, but you didn't change the way you think. That's why I believe... We talked about it, and I'm not going against what I said. But I don't, I'm not, I've gotten more and more, especially over the last six months as the Lord began to deal with me and challenge me. I've gotten so tired of just emotionalism. Now let's stop that back. What we just did here a few minutes ago, that wasn't emotionalism. I don't believe that was. There was sincere faith moving here. We weren't just jumping around to burn calories. Ooh, Fitbit, how many have I burned today? And what, we weren't doing that. New Year's resolution. I got to get in shape. I'm going to worship more. Woo! <laughs> worship aerobics. It's not what it, so it's not emotionalism. There's, when we praise, there's, there's activity. But you know what? I got to be honest with you. I, I've started to look at some things and I'm going to get myself in trouble. I know. It won't be the first time and it won't be the last. God, forgive me. Help me, Jesus. But the more I've looked at some things we, we do, I got to admit, I'm kind of thinking there's a lot more emotion involved than transformation. I'm all, I'm all for getting down and shouting. Please. I'm all down for just Jesus. But when, 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 it's just a, when the music's playing, all I'm doing is just doing my thing. And I'm sweating. And I'm there, woo, this feels good. Am I changing? Because I got to be honest with you, and you know it. I see a lot of people that can shake it on Sunday, but they can't make it on Monday. Woo, we're getting real quick, aren't we? Because we can come in church, we come on, get it going. Where's that? Get I need my song. I gotta get my song, and we can do it. And then all of a sudden, all we've done is just had a big emotional experience, but nothing's changed. You see, I'm not intimidated by this kind of atmosphere. I don't need you barking back. You know, I like amens and when we get going, but I don't need you barking back at me because you know what? If all I do is get you charged emotionally. But I want to stop and get you to think. And you know why we want emotion? Because we can be emotional and not have to think. We don't want it quiet. That's why some of you, you can't ride in a car without something on. You got music on, you got the radio on, you got, your mouth is on, something's moving. Because you know if it's quiet, you're going to think and you don't want to think. Why? Because when we have to think, we're challenged with who we are and where we are and where we're going. But in truly to transform, we've got to change the way we think. And I've got to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you this right now. And this is not the message, but I've got to say it. I've got to say it. 
the farther we get into this, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm about to lose somebody. I feel it. I'm not saying that to be, um, uh, to be dramatic. I, I'm sincere. You can't make these statements without somebody taking it the wrong way. But the more we get into this and the more we follow the path that God has given us, the more we're going to get away through some things that i got to be honest with you, it's more tradition than it is book. And there's going to be some things that we probably are not going to do as much anymore. Not because we're saying we're better than anybody else. But you know what? i got to be honest with you. I'm not seeing it in the book. Oh, I, I knew I could feel it. I could feel it. Feel it. I want to dance, 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 dance all night. But in the end, I don't want to just dance for the sake of dancing. I want to change. I don't want to just come to church. I got to be honest with you. I love to preach. I love to get down. But I got to be honest with you. If I never have another moment again where I just get into it, it'll be okay. Because you know what? That ain't going to get you to heaven one moment quicker. We've got we've to stop for a moment. And that's why I got to be honest with you. Some of you just get in this holding pattern. I call them wilderness moments. You just circle around and wave at the Jordan River as you go back under the lap. Because they had to stay in the, stay in the wilderness until their, their thinking had changed. And everybody who couldn't make the trip because they couldn't think differently, they had to stay in that wilderness until they died, until the ones who could think differently were able to make that journey. And until you learn to think differently, you're just going to wave at the Jordan as you go around another lap. And those of you, can I be honest with you, those of you that have been in a holding pattern for a while, and you just think, I don't know why I'm not progressing in God, you need to stop and, 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 and examine your thought processes. And that's why the spirit of revelation is so, is so needed. Because it's revelation that causes me to change the way I think. Because it's hard. It's hard to see the word of God. It's hard to see the word of God in a different way and not be challenged to change the way I think. And so that transformation that comes in purification, the transformation that comes in act in, in revelation. And the third thing that happens in transformation is once there's purification, meaning there's things in me that's got to be taken out, and then there's that second thing that happens where there's things that are being revealed, then the third thing that's got to happen is there's got to be revelation, there's got to be activation. There's got to be something activated. God's not in the business of just pouring stuff on you just to have it bless you, but it's put in you so that you can then turn around and be a blessing to somebody else. There's got to be things activated in you. You don't have giftings just for yourself, but you have giftings to benefit the kingdom. That's the activation that takes place because you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you receive power in the Holy Ghost to be what? 
Acts chapter 1. Come on, Bible. We had one give the right answer. Anybody else know the right answer? Witnesses. I don't get the Holy Ghost to give me goosebumps. I get the Holy Ghost because that power that's in me activates me to become a witness. So I've got, I've got purification. I've got illumination. I've got activation. These three elements are all found. All three of these elements can be found in fire. Because for years, fire has been used for a purification process. Fire has been used to purify gold for literally thousands of years. The process of purification that you have to go through the fire. You know why God sometimes takes us through hell? Because it's that heat that lets some stuff rise in me. I wish, I got to tell you, I wish I always had it in me where I just was so hungry for God. I fell on the, fell on my, on the face and just said, oh God, take it out. Sometimes I don't fall on the rock. The fall, rock falls on me. I got to be honest with you. I don't know if you had this moment. I don't, I, you may have not. Seriously, you may have not had this moment. But have you ever had that moment? It's very depressing if you ever have it. I'm going to let you know it's very depressing. Have you ever had a moment where you thought you'd gotten past something? And you finally thought, man, for the first time, I don't have to deal with that. And it may go for a while. And all of a sudden, the heat of the moment, as we call it, the fire or the trial of life, next thing you know, here comes it a-bubbling. As the old Sunday, song, Sunday school song, it's a-bubbling. It's a-bubbling. It's a-bubbling in my soul. And you're not singing and you're not shouting because Jesus has not made you whole. And all of a sudden, that stuff bubbles up out of you and you're like, are you kidding me? Where has this come from? God is not in the business of embarrassing you. God is not in the business of shaming you. But he is in the business of saving you. God would never embarrass you. God would never shame you. But God will allow things in your life to save you. You ever had that question? God, why am I going through this? Why am I in this? I'm a child of God. I'm bought with a price. I go to church. I, I, I do this, I do that. Why? Why? Because that's that purification process where you got to have a little heat, a little fire to bring stuff out of your life. You know what? i got to be honest with you. I'm a, I'm, I'm, some of you have experienced this. Some of you got through it better than I did. You know what purification has been in my life? Children. <laughs> you're, you're laughing. Some of you are better than Children. Now, I've said, said stuff come out of me. I'm like, I didn't even know that was in there. But kids, bring it out of you. We were talking to somebody the other day. When you, when you have multiple kids, you find it's impossible to have everybody happy on the same day. It's like whack-a-mole. You get one problem solved only for another one to rise up. And you get that one solved. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We just had a meltdown over here. Finally got this solved. Why are you starting? I mean, it's like always something. Some kind of drama. Something. It's crazy. And I tell you what, sometimes, and some of you, I'm telling you, some of you are just, 
precious, beautiful parents. I'm not there yet. Sometimes it literally makes me want to pull my hair out. But I got to be honest with you. There are times where that stuff bubbles up in me that I got to be honest with you. I go, Lord, help me. I didn't know that was in me. I didn't know. You know what I find? You know what? A lot of you can experience this too. Do you know what is a great purifying process? Marriage. Thank you. I got one fellow believer. Marriage. You don't know you have problems when you're single until you get married. All you single folks out there, you, you think you got problems. Let's wait till you get married. You're going to find you got problems. Because I'm telling you what, marriage brings out the past, the present, and the future all together. Marriage will bring out all the stuff from when you were a... You couldn't even remember. It brings out all the stuff you're... And it brings... Marriage does that. But can I be honest with you? I believe that there's a part in marriage that God has ordained as a way to save you. Because there's some stuff that's going to come out of you in that marriage process that needs to come out. And for all of you single folks, instead of you're depressed, God will just use other things. Don't worry. He won't leave you out. It may not be a man or a woman, but it's going to be something. Why? Because there is a desire that we've got to become purified. We've got to get in that fire to become purified. So there's purification in fire and there's illumination in fire. All the way back to the beginning of man in a cave somewhere while he was doing his artwork on the side of the wall somewhere along the line, he, he discovered the fact that with fire you can illuminate. And fire illuminates things in our life. And the third thing that fire does is fire is used as a way to activate. Because fire has been used to boil water, to produce steam, and steam has been used to power things that are massive and weigh thousands and thousands of pounds. In fact, I read this, I've used it before. I read this years ago, it was the late 1800s. They, steam was a huge deal at the time. It was, a, it was the newest and latest deal, steam. In fact, they had everything with steam. Everything was going to steam. They had everything was, was being built on steam. And so they had this, this, uh, this ex, uh, expo where everybody came and showed off their late, latest inventions. And they had a judging contest of who was going to have the greatest in, invention. And so they judged. And finally the winner, the winner, I believe, had over, I think, I can't remember correctly, I may be a little high on this, maybe a little low, but somewhere around 7,000 parts. And when the machine turned on and the steam began to work, it was absolutely amazing to watch. It was belts moving and gears moving and pistons going in and out and noise and the vibration shook the ground and all this was taking place. And it was a magnificent thing to see, literally. And it was so awe-inspiring that it won the prize for the competition. But what they discovered was with all the 7,000 moving parts and all the great power that the machine served absolutely no purpose. It didn't do anything. It just made a lot of noise. It had a lot of moving parts, but it actually didn't do anything. It didn't move. It didn't make eggs. It didn't do anything. It just was there. Let's not just 
do something, Brother Lamone, for the sake of doing something. We're not activating just so we can make a lot of noise. We're not doing all this so that we can go around and say, hey, our church does this. We do small groups. We do unlocking the Bible. We do this. We do that. No, if that's all we're doing, then we're really not doing anything. We're not doing small groups because we, hey, hey, what what do you guys think is the cool idea of the day? All right, I, I think small, let's try small groups. That's not what we're doing. But everything that we're doing and activating is to serve a purpose for the advancement of the kingdom and to see God bring revival and harvest to Antioch West and to see God work in and through you, not me, you. Turn to somebody and say, God wants to use you. And turn back and tell them, you don't believe it, but it's still true. You say, well, I'm not qualified. According to you, who? I'm not, I don't do enough good. According to who? If you're sitting here and you have the qualification test, you ready? You want to take the qualification test? You ready? Here we go. I passed the test. Can you pass the test? There you go. We got another one. Two. That's all the qualification needs. If you're breathing, you can be used. I don't care what you've thought in the past. I don't care what's been said in the past. I'm telling you right now, if you're breathing, you're qualified. Now, there may be some time between here and there, Saul, that you might need to be transformed. But it doesn't mean you're not qualified. But there may be need a transformation in the process. And i got to be honest with you. There are some of you today that are sitting in this room. We need you. The kingdom needs you. And you only see yourself as Saul looking for his donkeys. But I'm telling you today in the Holy Ghost, I've I've come today with a passion and 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 a word in my spirit to say that God is about to transform lives in this place. I'm not talking about transforming the lost to being saved. That's a part of it. But I'm talking about taking some of you from where you are to places you never believed you could ever get to. Places where you thought there was only reserved for the select few or the spiritual. But I'm telling you right now there is some, I'm going to use this term, there is some hidden hunger in this place. There's people in here, you don't, we don't even realize how hungry you are and how much there is in you because you've always disqualified it and and you've always kept it hidden because you've always felt like you can never amount up or ever get to what people thought you should be. But I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, there's something about to be unleashed in this place. Whether it's today, next week, or just in general, that God is to be going to get inside of somebody's heart. And what could be shaken is going to be shaken. And we're going to be shocked. I'm telling you this, we're going to be shocked. In, in a year from now who's here and who's not here because we're going to have some people that have risen to the occasion that we thought how in the world did they get there but they're going to have a transformational moment where they're going to step into the fire and they're going to let some purification begin to happen and they're going to let some revelation begin to take over their mind and they're going to let some activation get a hold of them through the fire of the Holy Ghost and when that happens we're going to wake up one day and go who is that? Because I saw a soul, but that's a king. I just saw a man walking around trying to find a donkey, but now I see a king. I'm telling you, 
It's here for the taking, folks. I don't have to try to sell you on it. It's not a sale job. I'm just telling you, if you want it, it's available to you. The only question comes down to is, are you going to seize the moment? Are we going to seize the moment? It's not about if God will, if God can. I'm telling you, God's going to do it. The only thing left to do in Antioch West is, will we seize the moment? Because we've got it. We've got what we need. Are there things that we're going to add? Yes. Are there things that we need to tweak? Yes. Are there some bumps in the road? Yes. Are there some things we have to navigate? Yes. But we have got what we need to get from where we are to see the promises of God fulfilled. And you heard the bishop of this church whom we are, whose authority rests over this place. He said it last week. This and what we are doing is the fulfillment that's not speaking ill of anybody else. It's just speaking, okay? I'm so tired of having to qualify because I'm afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but I've got to speak what needs to be said. They get their feelings hurt, I'll give them a hug because I didn't mean it. But what we're doing here is the fulfillment of the revelation that God gave to Antioch and what Antioch was going to become. And you, my friend, are a part of that. I hope you don't take that lightly. Because there's an opportunity here for us to see God do awesome things. But not by might. Not by power. But by His Spirit. But it cannot happen. It cannot happen. Cannot happen. Without there being an activation and a transformation that takes place in all of us. If I believe correctly, help me out. Some of you are better at this than I am. I believe it, that water current begins to turn to steam at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Is that correct? Brother Mallory, that's, he gives me the word of approval. 212 degrees. That means at 211, you, have, you, are, you are so close, but you're not there. 211, that's hot. I wish right now maybe a little more 211 than it is negative five. Somewhere in the middle somewhere. How about 100? 211. That's a long way to climb, but to be one degree short. Can I tell you this? I believe some of you have come so long, so far. I've watched over the last three months. In fact, I, the bishop this week, I had a chance to talk to him. My wife and I weren't here last week, and he was here. And he he was talking. He's like, man, you see so-and-so. Did you see so-and-so? I can't believe so-and-so. Did you? I'm like, yes, it's awesome, isn't it? He goes, I can't. I didn't even recognize. He was was just excited to be. And as awesome as that is, to see God begin to work and transform the lives in this place, don't stop at 211. Don't stop just short. Because if I can say to you, if you're come this far, why not go one more step? My God, I'm telling you this. Oh, I wish I could. I, 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 I wish I was 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 poetic enough. I wish I was descriptive enough. I wish I could channel my any Dan, inner Danny Hood enough to be able to describe to you in words what I can feel and sense in my spirit. 
I really, honestly, the best way to describe it in sort of an opposite way is, is that we have, we have clicked our way to the top of the hill. We have, we have strapped ourselves in. We're on this ride. We're ready to go. And we have clicked our way to the top of the hill. And the chain has got us to the summit. And we're about to head down on the ride of our lives. And the only thing right now is we're at the top of the hill and we're just in that moment of suspension where we're about to just have this amazing experience but the back of the car is not quite there yet even though the front of the car has already started down the hill and we're just sort of right there in that moment and we're hanging and it looks like we're not going to go anywhere but we don't even realize this thing is about to take off and we're going to see things happen that we can't even imagine had ever happened and we're going to see God do things that we're going to be able to sit back and go were you there when that happened were you there and there'll be people that will make up they were here that weren't here and we'll go no you weren't there yes I was no because I was there and I didn't see you but you were here and I'm here and more importantly is God's here and some of you weren't supposed to be here Let's just call it what it is. Some of you were in other congregations. Some of you were in other states. Some of you were just somewhere. Over the rainbow, under the rainbow, and in the rainbow. But you're here. Why? Because I believe God has brought you here. I believe God has brought you here. Because God is going to do something great in us, among us, and through us. And I don't care what you think about yourself. And I don't care how disqualified you think you are. And I don't care if you think, well, it would never happen to me because I've got this and I've done this. And No. Because God is ready and God has already begun. And now it's just a matter of, is anybody willing to take the trip? Or are we just going to stop at 211 and not take that one step farther? Or are we going to stop here? Would you stand this morning? Here's what I challenge you today. I don't feel this is, a, this is an altar call moment. Here's why. Because there's a lot of times we come and we pray out of duty, sometimes out of emotion, and sometimes out of faith. I'll give you that. But I'm not, more, I'm, I'm not really concerned about what you do here. I'm more concerned about what you do when you walk out that room. I'm not really concerned this morning of how you respond here. I'm more concerned of how you're going to respond when you walk out those doors. You ever, you know some people like this. I know people like this. You know people who can talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Growing up playing basketball, we always knew the people that couldn't play because they're the ones that talked the most most of the time. And most of the people that were the quietest, you wouldn't want to mess with them. 
because they let their game do the talking. Now we have some. We got some people that can talk, and we got some people that can. We got some people that that can talk and back up their game. Oh, wait, this is true. Pre-retirement. If you ever got a, if you ever got on the basketball floor with an Owens boy, better watch out. Because they, they, would, they, they would talk the talk, but they could walk the walk. But very few people could do that. And you know what? The time for talking is done. Now we got to just do it. But it's not about this moment right here in here. If I, you know, if you, if you feel compelled by the Lord and you're ready to do that's great. But I'm more concerned. What are you going to do when you walk out of that door today? Better yet, what are you going to do at small group tonight? What are you going to do this week, during the week? Are you going to check out and be back next Sunday? Or there's going to be something in you that's activated that says, God, I want to be transformed and I want to get closer to you and I want to see you do something in me and through me in my life. That's what I want. That's what I feel the Holy Ghost is challenging us to do. Not make the emotional decision of the moment, but make a, make a transformation of the decision that I'm going to think differently. I'm going to walk differently. If I change what, how I think, I'll change what I say. If I change what I say, I'll change what I become. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so shall he be. But James says that the tongue is the rudder of our life to steer us. So if my mind changes, my words change, my word change, my direction changes. But it's got to happen here. Father, I thank you for what you have done today. I thank you for what you are given to us. I thank you for each individual in this place today. I thank you for the hunger that I feel in this place. For what is beginning to bubble up inside of us. The excitement, the hunger, the faith. But I pray now in the name of Jesus. I speak in Jesus' name an activation of faith in this place. I speak in Jesus' name an activation of hunger. I speak in Jesus' name an activation of love. I speak in Jesus' name an activation of giftings and callings. In Jesus' name, let them be activated now in the name of Jesus. I speak a spirit of transformation. I speak a spirit of purification. I speak a spirit of revelation. And I speak activation. And let fire fall in this place. Let us be transformed by the fire. Not just the spirit, God. But we want a baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. A fresh fire to fall. A fresh fire to erupt in this place. Burn up the dry wood. Burn up the wet wood. Burn up the uncut wood. Burn us up, God, with fire. Let the fire fall in this place. Let us be transformed by the fire. Let us search and seek for the fire. I want to challenge you with this thought. John Wesley, very famous evangelist, said this. They asked him, what happens? Why do you have so much success? Why have you seen so much happen under your ministry? He simply said this statement. I pray until God sets me on fire and then people come from miles around to watch me burn. 
Charles Spurgeon, who was a man, mighty man of God, used, saw great revival. In fact, he was, his revivals were so powerful that it would literally shut down the bars of the city that would empty out and they would have to shut down during his meetings because so many people were coming. They asked Charles Spurgeon what was one of the answers. He said, to put new converts in most churches is like putting live chicks under a dead hen. But they need the warmth of the fire to survive. He said, God never intended for the church to be a refrigerator in which we preserve the perishable piety. He intended it to be an incubator in which we hatch our converts. We're not here to be a refrigerator where we keep you comfortable and keep the things in your life from not going away. But it's my desire, and I believe there's enough of us in here, it's I desire that this be a place of fire. Where God's fire, His Spirit, the fire of His Spirit gets on us. And you know what? Some of you, you're not there yet, but I pray there's enough of you that we get on fire, that the fire jumps off us onto somebody else, and then we can begin to say, what was on on me is on them, because we become a place set on fire. I pray that this area says, you want to see something crazy? Go to that church. And watch them. That's a bunch of crazy people because we prayed enough that God has set us on fire and people come just to watch us burn. Why? Not for our glory, but so that the kingdom of God can be birthed in us and through us. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Please help us break down. Shake somebody's hand and go to a small group tonight. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Amen.